It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic. Your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is November 21st, 2017. My name is Philip Rosmanike. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com coming to you here with another episode of Locked On Magic. And today, Coming off the Orlando Magic's 105-97 loss to the Indiana Pacers, I'm joined today by Orlando Magic Daily's Ricky Skricka. Ricky, what what do you have to say? What what, what, hap- what happened in this game? Why you know you know um, obviously we'll we'll talk a lot about about what happened in in, in this game coming up, but uh, uh, just a very very odd game for for the Magic. It, it felt in some ways it felt bigger than it maybe actually is in the grand scheme of things, but. Um, you know what? What what was the big big takeaway, or what what basically happened in this game to you? Well, at least it wasn't a forty point loss to Utah <laughs> Jazz. Um, I'll say that. Um, but you if know, that's what we're just... comparing, comparing things to. That is a low bar to clear, and I think we can accomplish <laughs> those goals every single night the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, w- one would hope. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was. I, I think it's just. I think what it comes down to is decision making, both in terms of shot selection and just passing and and turnover, live ball turnovers specifically. Um, like it was really early in the game that it kind of started. Um, Alfred Payton just kind of. Uh, we were talking about this before we started recording, but Alfred Payton will he'll get ahead of steam, especially in transition, going into the lane. And he'll make his decision, I think, a little bit later than a lot of point guards do. And sometimes it works out for him. Sometimes the defense will have collapsed at that point. He'll be able to find someone. Um, but in this game, I it's he would just kind of force a pass. Even in the half court, would just kind of force a pass between two defenders. And it didn't have a prayer of finding the person he wanted it to. And that would just lead to easy buckets for the other team. There were a few play- – and you know what? Honestly, I – Definitely, I definitely want to give a lot of credit to the Pacers' defense because it was it was really good. Um, Vucevic had a few plays in the post where um, I, he didn't, I guess, recognize the help defense coming over, and um, he just kind of lost it. Uh, his pocket just got picked, and that also led to easy buckets. Um, you know, it was just overall, I think it was just characterized by some forced shots and forced passes that just. You know, it it looked ugly, and the results were ugly. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk a lot more about that a little bit later on in the show. But that turnover point is absolutely critical to understanding what happened in this game. The Orlando Magic committed 14 of their 22 turnovers in the first half. It was a big reason why, despite a really strong defensive effort, the Magic only gave up 16 points in the second quarter. Uh, Orlando still only found only found themselves up by one. In fact, I think a, a rash of turnovers there at the end of the second quarter helped in the middle of the second quarter helped Indiana take a six point lead I think it was and then Orlando kind of had to rush back to take the lead before the before the end of the half um but even in those eight turnovers that the Magic had in the second half they all came at really critical times uh end of the third quarter uh Orlando really struggled to I think I think it was the end of the third quarter end of the third quarter early in the fourth quarter Orlando really struggled to 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 kind of end that quarter well or, or go through that stretch of play uh and like you said the Magic were forcing a lot of offense and that led to a lot of turnovers, and that got Indiana out on the break, and that eventually gave them control of the game to the point where they were up by 
8, 9, 10, 11 points. I mean, Orlando did a good job, you know, kind of keeping the pace slow, which isn't the way they want to play, but um, they, they did a good job keeping Indiana from getting the pace up, which is what Indiana wants to do as well, because they weren't turning the ball over. But then they started turning the ball over early, late in the third quarter. That got the Pacers back in control of the game. They kept turning the ball over a little bit throughout the fourth quarter. That gave the Pacers a big lead and forced Orlando really to scramble to make this a game. Again, 22 total turnovers for the Orlando Magic. Alfred Payton and Nikola Vucevic both with four. DJ Augustin with five. Evan Fournier and Aaron Gordon with three apiece. Those are all key players turning the ball over a ton. A lot more than they than they should. Uh, and that's a big reason why Indiana was able to stay in this game despite shooting 41.6% from the floor. The Pacers end up with 21 fast break points. Uh, really, this, the, the, that's what I think catalyzed Indiana's uh, offense um, because Indiana wasn't getting much going offensively. And, you know, their biggest lead was only 11 points. It came in the fourth quarter and, and it came late as Orlando just Orlando's defense just could no longer hold the team up with the transition opportunities that Indiana was getting. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you mentioned DJ Augustine's five turnovers. I think one thing I also noticed was, and this isn't you know something that's going to show up in the box score necessarily, but something that was particularly obvious tonight was I think people would, I think players would get into the lane and then they would pass it out, and it wouldn't be a turnover, but it would be to a player who didn't really have a window to shoot um, when there was like another passing lane in a different direction to someone who maybe was a little bit more open. And what would generally happen is the person would just take the person who received the pass would just kind of take a contested shot and it would, you know, obviously rim out. And that was kind of something that doesn't show up in the box score, but it was also a result of a poor decision-making and just, um, and really not what you want to see out of out of this offense that has started to regress in terms of its shooting um so it's just sort of that pl- the the force the force offense and the regressed shooting are kind of coming together and it's just a not great combination yeah and i think in a lot of ways they they do go hand in hand um you know, because the, the the Magic are having to force their offense because they're not getting the kind of ball movement and penetration they were getting earlier in the season. Well, again, that's going to be kind of the main focus of our discussion uh, here on today's show. Just to kind of get the, the quick recap of the game. Again, the turnovers were the big story, but Orlando was still very much in this game. Orlando still, you know, they had the lead at halftime. They they were in the game. They, they kept the, the margin relatively close, even though they shot just 41.7% from the floor and 13 of 38 from beyond the arc. It, it always felt like Indiana should probably be up more than they were. Um, it, 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 but you got to give Orlando's defense a lot of credit. Um, the Pacers actually had a an offensive rating that was less than a point per possession. So Orlando did its job defensively to win this game. They, they just couldn't generate the shots. And again, that's why we're going to talk a little bit more about that later on. Um, fourth quarter, again, it was kind of close. Indiana started to pull away. And then in the last three minutes or so, um, in the last three minutes or so, the Magic w- uh, were able to get some shots to go down finally. Evan Fournier hit a three. Nikola Vucevic hit a three. Aaron Gordon hit a crazy bank shot. And all of a sudden, they found themselves down by three points. Uh, so again... It didn't feel like this was a game that the Magic had a chance to win, yet they had a chance to win. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you think happened at the end that, that prevented them, despite everything that, that happened beforehand, prevented them from, from, getting, from completing the comeback and getting the win? I think what it comes down to is that they missed some, some shots earlier in the game that they have made, and then later in the game, those shots fell, like that Aaron Gordon bank shot you mentioned. That was just that a was, crazy tough shot. That, that had no yeah. business going in, especially with some of the open shots he was missing throughout the game. I mean, I, I, Aaron Gordon, uh, we'll run through, I'll run through some stats in a little bit, but Aaron Gordon shot 5 for 13 and 2 for 9 from beyond the arc. Um, I, I had a lot of people saying, oh, Gordon needs to stop taking threes, and I'm like, they're, they're good looks. He's making... What I think he's still at forty something percent from beyond the arc. You got you know he's earned the trust to to take open threes as long as they're not contested threes. He should be taking those shots. And I felt like his shot selection wasn't particularly bad from beyond the arc. I mean that's a shot a lot of defenses are willing to give up. And so Aaron now has to figure out okay when do I take this shot? When do I keep the ball moving? And when do I attack? And how do I attack? 
but overall, I, I had no problem with the shots that Aaron Gordon took from beyond the arc. That's a, that's a shot I trust him to make, and, and tonight he didn't hit them. Yeah, and you got to expect with, with Aaron um, that his three-point percentage is going to come down. Yeah, maybe, and, it is, maybe, and it is coming down right now. I mean, he's he's really struggling from beyond the arc right now. Yeah, I mean, it was up near 60% for a while. That was obviously going to come down. Now it's at, I think you said 46, something like that. Um, it's still really high. And it's still uh, coming down. I mean, he's, yeah, he's like I mean, three no, for his last 19 or something like that. Um, something atro- I mean, I don't think it's exactly that, but it's it's something that's very bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we knew this was coming. I mean, if, if you asked me to predict what his three-point percentage would be at the end of the season, at the beginning of this season, I probably would have put it around like 32. Two and or thirty three and yeah. felt really optimistic. Five games into the season, maybe I would have said like thirty eight or, or something in that ballpark. Maybe now I'm coming down a little bit to thirty five. But any of those numbers are a lot lower than what he's at right now. So we know that regression is coming. We know it's happening, and it's going to continue happening um, until that number kind of stabilizes. So I, I, I guess it's important to just remember, um, you know. If if he gets cold, which he will, um, we can kind of take solace in the fact that he's still taking good shots. Like he's taking these shots that are open. He's not. Uh, he's he's had some um, you know poor decisions that I mentioned in, in the sidebar I wrote. But overall, like the threes he's been taking are they're open shots that you know you feel comfortable with him taking. Can't really fault him for that, but you just got to expect the ridiculous numbers he's been at to kind of start to taper off and not to kind of not not to freak out about it when he gets cold, you know. Yeah. And and obviously and obviously that's that's kind of where the magic are at right now. It just feels like this is the comeback down to the mean. Um well we'll talk a little bit more about where the magic go from here as they they head out on this ne- on this uh, latter half of this this deadly 10 game set that they that they have have to deal with them. I think most of us agreed um, at the beginning of the season they just had to survive November and then we can assess where they're at from there so that that, that maybe when we when we ne- when we next kind of take a step back and evaluate the season and where the magic are at. Um just to just to run through the fi- fi- finality of what happened the magic were down by 3 points with about a minute to play. Um they did this uh, you know I I I felt like one of the reasons they were successful defensively is they were just overcommitted to switching. Um, they kind of sim- they kind of simplified their defensive sets and just said just switch everything, uh, and that created some mismatches. And I think Indiana finally took advantage of them late. Uh, but the the Magic were playing very good defense, uh, and uh, eventually they got caught in a scramble. And Boyan Bogdanovich got open for a three pointer and hit a three pointer to make it a six point game. And that was about all she wrote for the game. The Indiana Pacers defeat the Orlando Magic one hundred five to ninety seven. Running through some final stats for you guys here. Nikola Vucevic led the way for the Magic with 25 points, 13 rebounds, 11 for 19 shooting, 3 for 6 from beyond the arc, 7 offensive rebounds. Uh, I would call this the polar opposite of his game on on Saturday. I mean, it looked like he he was determined not to play as poorly as he did Saturday. I mean, yeah, he played he played truly bad on Saturday. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, the, you got to be encouraged by his rebounding numbers, especially, um, which have been, you know, the, the team as a whole, the rebounding numbers have been a really big cause for concern, obviously. But yeah, you got you got to feel good about it. even though, you know, the six defensive rebounds is not great. Um, you know, Aaron Gordon is picking up the slack. He had a lot Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Gordon has been stealing Nikola Vucevic's rebounds all year. We know this. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I, 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 I want if I had access to sport view data. I would call up every time Aaron Gordon grabbed the rebound with Nikola Vucevic within two or three feet, or within two or three feet of him, uh, and just <laughs> and just figure out how many rebounds Aaron Gordon has vultured from Nikola Vucevic. At the end of the day, all that all I mean, Aaron Gordon's got to get paid, so I I get it. Um, but yeah. but at the end of the day, they they as long as they go to the Magic, I think only once have has Aaron Gordon fought Nikola Vucevic off for a rebound and lost it for a turnover. Um, yeah. But that's 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 maybe another stat to keep track of another day. Speaking of Aaron Gordon, he had 13 points, 12 rebounds, 11 on the defensive side, five for 13 shooting, two for nine from beyond the arc. Evan Fournier, 16 points, struggled to shoot the ball at six for 16, four for eight from beyond the arc though, four assists on the game for him. Jonathan Simmons and DJ Augustin with 10 points apiece off the bench 
for Orlando. Again, they shoot 41.7% from the floor, 13 for 38. That's 34.2% from beyond the arc. And a in an eight-point game, in a game that was close at the end, in a game that was close through the fourth quarter for the most part, 14 for 23 from beyond the arc. Those nine free throw misses proved to be big for this team. And again, uh, when you when you break those numbers down, 14 for 23 from the free throw line, eight of 13 between Bismack. 13 of those 13 of the 23 attempts came from DJ Augustin and Bismack Biombo. So the Magic got to the line a little bit. Uh, I think that's another thing that's fallen off. During this losing stretch, Orlando was actually pretty, at least at least league average, getting to the foul line when they were six and two. Since then, I think they've fallen off a lot from the foul line. They're back to being one of the worst teams at getting to the foul line. So that's that's definitely something to keep an eye on the rest of the season. As for the Pacers, the notables for them: Victor Oladipo comes back to Orlando, scores twenty nine points, eight for nineteen shooting, twelve for fourteen from the foul line. I don't think we've ever seen him go to the foul line that much. Nine rebounds, five assists, seven steals, two blocks, an all-around fantastic game for Victor Oladipo. Re-energizing the Victor Oladipo stands who are still Magic fans. Sorry, I love you guys. Um, for uh, to, to, to kind of rehash things that have happened in the past, but they've happened in the past. They're, they're not coming back. So uh, the Magic will have to live with that decision, and, and Oladipo certainly did make them live with that decision in this game. And then Boyan Bogdanovich, 26 points, 9 for 15 shooting, 5 for 7 from beyond the arc, 7 rebounds for him. Indiana, though, only shoots 41.6% from the floor in the 105-97 to victory for the Pacers. Hey, Ricky. Yo. You know, ever since I started this podcast, I, I warned you there was going to be a live read, people have yeah. been asking for advice. They have been. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. Got the Patriots or the Steelers, Chicago or Detroit. Who, who, who you got between those teams? I don't even know. I don't even know football. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> okay. So 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 between between the Magic and the and the Wolves on Wednesday, who you got? That's a tough one. Mm, I'm leaning Magic. All right. I like the optimism. Well, <laughs> let me tell you this. Where you're betting at is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why I always tell people to go to mybookie.ag. MyBookie has been in this business for years, and their rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing. And they have the fastest payout. Seriously, just two business days. So if you know who's going to win the game, if you're looking at that Magic Wolves game, you're looking at it and saying, I know the Orlando Magic are going to win. I would absolutely recommend going to mybookie.ag. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. Join now, and MyBookie will match your deposit with up to a 100% bonus. And if you use the promo code, Locked on NBA. Again, that's locked on NBA to activate the offer. You will get that bonus. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Ricky, uh, back back to back to the magic now. Um, back to kind of drawing out the the bigger lessons of the of the game. That's that's what I like to do because we're, you know, one game out of 82 is a bit is is fairly insignificant, but there have been some continuing trends that have that have happened during this losing stretch, during this five game losing streak, during the seven of nine that the Magic have lost now. Uh, and what was I mean? We we talked about it about this decision making problem, about how the Magic kind of work their way through things when they're struggling. What is it that you've noticed about this team when they're struggling? Well, I think the biggest thing for me that I've just 
always been keeping an eye on is um, their ability to get to the rim. And I think um, it, even well, even when the offense is doing well, they're not getting to the rim. So that's kind of a different beast in itself. But overall, when this offense is bad, I think what you see is um, – and this is kind of why I've started to not like when Aaron Gordon steals those rebounds and tries <laughs> to bring the ball up because a lot of the times you see him just sort of pull up and shoot or just – um, there was a play today where he kind of tried to force a DHO with Evan Fournier, and I can't remember which Pacer player, but someone just was right there and just snatched it and started going down um, to their own basket. Um, so I, yeah, it's you kind of just get these bad long twos a lot of the time. It's just um, mid-range shots that you don't really expect to go in, kind of early in the shot clock. They just kind of get impatient, um, and it's it's something I guess you would kind of expect from a team whose identity is to push the pace, get their offense early in the shot clock, try to keep the defense on their toes, try to stay aggressive and all that stuff, but I, I think sometimes um, when the shots stop falling, you start seeing guys pass the ball less, take worse shots, um, and it's just... It's ugly to look at uh, at certain points. It, it it wasn't as bad tonight as it's been in other games, especially the games that the Magic were missing, uh, Alfred Payton and DJ Augustin. Um, but it's still definitely a problem. Yeah, and and I think I think tonight uh, or when or Monday night, I think it was a little bit more noticeable that it was a problem. Um, the, I mean, the pace was. The, I'm looking at the pace numbers right now. They're actually game was actually played at a 105.9 pace, which which seems like a lot faster than it was, or a lot more possessions than it was. But um, yeah, that I, I'm not buying that. Um, but um, yeah. I'm sorry, I, I'm not believing that the game was played at that that pace because it, it felt like it felt like the game really bogged down in the third and fourth quarter, and neither team wants that to happen. But it felt like it did because. Yeah. Orlando's defense was playing really well and, and keeping Indiana, and they weren't turning the ball over, so the live ball turnovers had stopped. Um, and even though Orlando was forced, Orlando was forcing a lot of shots. They were getting back in transition. They weren't letting the Pacers get, get easy shots. And so both teams kind of struggled to get themselves going in the half court without ever kind of breaking that spell and getting out in transition. Um, and so when Orlando had the ball, at least. It just felt, in this game at least, it felt a lot more noticeable that they were trying to force force the play too much. They were trying to take guys off the dribble and kind of just get to the basket no matter what. Um, and and if that didn't work, then they would kick it out. And that's when we saw, um, you know, the the plays where the guys got in too deep, where they didn't, where they pat, maybe they took a dribble too much and were just too deep and didn't have an outlet, and so they had to fling the ball um, out back to the perimeter and. Someone had to catch it, not where they were, and or you know just how to how they catch it, and that allowed the defense to recover. And so there, there just wasn't, you know, basketball is a game of rhythm. There wasn't a lot of flow to this game, and I think that's kind of what you're getting at here, is that when the Magic struggle, and we've seen this in several games, you know, I think we saw this in Charlotte was the first was when I really noticed it for the first time that loss to the Hornets, um, where the Magic just. It felt like they, the Hornets' defense figured out how to slow the Magic down, and Orlando could not, uh, could not break the, break them. They they could not break it down. They could not get themselves moving. And so their response to that was for you know Evan Fournier or Nikola Vucevic or Aaron Gordon to say, "I've got to break this team down. On I've got I've got to do it. I'm the one that has to do it. No one else will do it." Mm-hmm. And, and and you see the ball movement really stop there, uh, and and I remember writing after that is like no in these moments that's when the magic have to trust each other more, and I think we saw it again in Portland to some extent, uh, when the magic gave up seventeen the seventeen zero run, and the response to that was you saw a lot of guys trying to do too much on their own, and the magic got back into that game, but at the end of the game you saw maybe Evan Fournier try to do too much on his own and try and isolate and 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 create for himself. Um, and I think we saw that again on Monday in several spots. And some of it was the Pacers' defense because I think Indiana did a very good job forcing the Magic to go to spots where they could bring doubles and bring traps and really increase the pressure and make it hard to pass it back out to the perimeter to the open man. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you play a lot of isolation ball, offense tends to stagnate. 
And that's when this Magic team gets itself in trouble. And I think that's what we're seeing more and more of. Teams are figuring this out. They're getting all this tape on the Magic struggling on offense. And now Orlando's kind of stuck where they're not getting the ball movement and it just kind of digs themselves even deeper and deeper into the hole. Yeah, and it's it's not even just isolation ball. I would say I think it's just sometimes um, someone will drive and then kick it out and then whoever gets the ball, whether it's Evan or Aaron or whoever, it, it just looks like they decide, okay, I'm just going to take this shot. I would rather just take this shot like right here, like, like a two dribble pull up. I'd rather take this long two right here than do literally anything else, give it to anyone else and try to create any other kind of shot opportunity. Um, it, I, whether that's um, a testament to, you know, individual confidence or kind of uh, distrust of teammates, I'm not really sure, but you do see that happen. Um, just uh, and, and Jonathan Isaac, uh, he has obviously not played for a few games, but that was something you kind of saw with him too. But I think I think for him, that's more of a confidence thing, just with his three point shot. A, yeah, and I think that's more of a rookie thing too, where he's he's. I, I noticed with eyes with Isaac on offense, he doesn't seem quite sure what to do yet. Yeah, yeah. So he he's figuring that out, but um for for the for the more veteran players on the team, I think it's a little bit less excusable. Is, um I I am I'm, I'm curious because you know, I think I think there's there there's a larger issue kind of under the surface on this in that this this Magic team is sort of a by committee team. I mean, I well, you know, if the Magic stay in the playoff race, we'll we'll have this discussion over you know, hypothetically, who represents them? I mean, we'll have this discussion anyway. Even the Magic fall completely out of the race, um, just to just to have the hypothetical and, and get the get the clicks with the Z. Um, you know, who should be the Magic's all star? I mean, it's it's a go to article you do every year, no matter how far out of the playoff race you are. Who is the Magic's all star? And it, it, you know, none of these guys have been an all star before, uh, and it just feels like. Sometimes young players, especially, kind of get it in their head that you know I'm going to be an all star. This is how an all star plays. Is part of the problem then that there is no clear pecking order on this team, and so sometimes it feels like Evan Fournier feels like, oh, it's my turn to 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 get my points, or Aaron Gordon feels like, no, it's now it's my turn to get my points, and it's not so much of a hey, if you guys just play together, the stats will take care of themselves because you'll move the ball and share the ball and and, and less of a, you know, I've got to get mine because, you know, I'm the star of the team or I, or the team needs me to, we're struggling, I'm the star, I got to do it. It's, 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 it's maybe part of the problem that there's no, that there doesn't seem to be a clear pecking order there. Yeah, no, and I, I agree with that. And I think even going into the season and going, I mean, and it's been this case for a while, the Magic have not had that sort of go-to scoring guy for for quite a bit. Um, and there really is a, a series, as much as, you know, in the grand scheme of things, um, people value, you know, uh, teamwork and ball movement, things that are important. Um, sometimes in the NBA, what you really need is that guy who can just get his own shot and just do that consistently and efficiently. The Magic don't have that guy, but I think they have guys who sometimes think they are that guy, <laughs> play like they're that guy. Which you know, I mean, you need hey, you need you need you need a little bit of irrational confidence sometimes. I yeah, mean, and that's something that's and that's exactly something the Magic have missed. That's something the Magic have missed since. Who forgot? When was the last time they had a guy who had a rational confidence? Uh, probably Hito. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. No. But I mean, if you're, I mean, you deserve to be pretty confident if you're in the NBA. Like that's the bo- that's the bottom line. Like you, and you're going to be a little bit overconfident too, um, just because of the route you probably had to get there, had to take to get there. Um, so it's understand. You know, this isn't that's not a problem that's unique to the Magic either. Um, it's I think it's pretty common. But you, th- this is just something that you see when shots stop falling and people get either frustrated or um a little bit too determined i only i i don't think it's like a selfish thing um it's just sort of something they haven't really found an answer for um it's just sort of a hole yeah and, and i agree it's not a I, I agree that it's not a selfish thing either I, you know i i think i've commented uh, in the past too that it, it you know i think the like 
I, I use the word intention a lot. I, I feel like a lot of the players on the Magic have good intentions. Like, they're not trying to be selfish. Like, Evan Fournier, I think, gets a bad rap for being selfish. Aaron Gordon, I think, gets a bad gets a little bit of a bad rap for taking bad shots. But I, I think they, they are trying to kick, get the team going and get comfortable shots for themselves to get the team going and kind of loosen up the defense for everyone else so they can start passing the ball. Um, the, but the problem is that that's not what's going to do it for this team. And, and, and I think ultimately we're, we're kind of back to the same problem that, that we all expected the Magic to have at the beginning of the season with this offense was that they don't have that go-to score. They don't have that guy who can consistently get into the paint. Jonathan Simmons does it with the bench unit, um, but isn't so consistent with it against starters. They don't have that guy. And so creating offense requires... You know, a, a a big a big effort from everyone on the floor. They need player movement. They can't just be four guys standing around watching someone isolate. They can't just be moving the ball for the sake of moving the ball. There has to be purpose in it. They have to screen hard. They have to cut hard. And that part's been the part that's been inconsistent and forced. And and in some ways, it's 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 a chicken or an egg problem. Are the Magic isolating too much because players are trying to do too much, or are they isolating too much because nothing else is happening within the right. set? Yeah, yeah, no, and we see, and this is something I'm working on right now. A piece, um, there are, there's a lot of you know interesting stuff that Magic have run at various points throughout the season. It, I don't think the playbook is lacking, um, you know, sets and actions that can get them good looks. It's just that they ran, they ran a bunch tonight too. Like I, I saw, uh, I, I know you're working on some flex on some on some flex screens that Evan Fournier does. They do a great job running Evan Fournier off screens. For uh, I mean. Evan Fournier should never be breaking someone down one-on-one off the dribble. He should always be coming off of some type of pin down or stagger screen to get open and then attack from there. And then from there, you can have the screeners do a whole number of things, especially with the way that Aaron Gordon's shooting now and the way Nikola Vucevic is shooting now. I mean, there was one play tonight that I really loved. It got DJ Augustin a three-pointer where... For uh, I think it was Fournier had the ball at the top, at, at, at just right at the top of the key. And DJ Augustin set a back screen for Aaron Gordon. And Gordon cut hard toward the rim. And, and the paint was a little bit open. And so Augustine's man left Augustine to keep Gordon from getting to the rim as Gordon's man trailed him. And then Augustine just flared out for three. And it was very quick. And it, was, and, and it wasn't even that the point guard left Augustine for very long. But, it, but just a threat of Gordon streaking to the, to the rim on a backdoor cut was enough to warp the defense enough to get Augustin an open three-pointer. And obviously now the defense has to adjust and make a decision there, and that creates more opportunities to, to cut mm-hmm. and, and to find space. And so, like, I, honestly, I, like, I, I wanted to write at that point, install some Princeton sets, get Aaron Gordon, do it back-cutting, back-cutting to the rim as many times as you can because teams do not want to get lobbed on. Yeah, no, they they really don't. Um, and, you know, that's the thing. Going into this season, this roster is always going to have a lot of really good cutters, really like athletic guys who can finish, whether that's Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Simmons, Terrence Ross, those guys, if you can get them ahead of steam, um, going to the basket off the ball, you can throw them lobs. Um, and you, now apparently we have more shooters than, than we thought this magic roster was going to have. Um, with and that's Aaron. opened everything up. I think that's really opened up a, a lot of the cutting and, and, Honestly, maybe the surprise that they've shot so well, they're they're maybe playing some catch up and installing some more of these sets that that, that they need to have. Yeah, so maybe we'll see that come along more during the season, and that that's definitely. Under, I mean, you know, there was a shorter preseason this year, so that's that's definitely understandable. I think there's a lot of teams around the league still trying to figure out what they want to do in terms of you know their offense. Um, so that, I think that's understandable, and and. I think what it comes down to is with a team that doesn't have that that real go-to score, that uh, that go-to guy who can create shots for himself or for others. You gotta kind of some if you can't get easy points in transition, you gotta work a little bit harder in the half court. You gotta cut a little bit harder, like you were saying. You gotta screen harder. You just gotta sometimes you gotta run through more options. Um, it's you just gotta work harder to get those clean looks. Um, and you got to do it consistently, and that's not easy to do. There's not a lot of teams. I mean, that's it, it sounds simple, but um, you know the Warriors are a team that does that. The Spurs do it. 
But, but at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, the Warriors could still dump the ball to Kevin Durant one on one and isolate him and get a good shot, or dump the ball to Stephen Curry. When thing, the 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 problem with the Magic is, and 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 Vogel said this all last year, and he, I don't think he said it yet this year, but it, I think it's still very true. The Magic's margin for error is very small. The difference between the six and two team and the two and seven team is not very big, as we've seen so far this year. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, and yeah, as I was saying, yeah, it's it sounds easy to just say, oh, they just need to work hard consistently to get good looks, but you know, it's it, over the course of a forty-eight minute game, it is not easy, and um, you know, guys go through funks, guys want to be the guy. It's it's not that, and it's why so few teams have are able, like the Spurs, to consistently just get good looks for all of their players based solely off of cutting and screening and, and motion, just basically the playbook stuff. Um, Especially so with I just mean, 24 seconds on the shot clock. I mean, it's easy. It's I'm, I'm a, I love the Princeton offense. I love motion based offenses. It's a lot easier to run those in high school when there's no shot clock or college when there's 30 seconds, as opposed to the NBA when you got only 24 seconds to get a good shot. Yeah, yeah, and the Spurs will milk that clock. <laughs> They'll milk all 24 seconds. Um, and the Magic, I think, are a team that, for the most part, wants to get their offense early. So it's it's kind of it's it's tougher than it than it might sound. Um, but ultimately, I think the stat that I've been watching, like I said before, is how infrequently they're getting to the rim. They are last in the league. They are tied with the Sacramento Kings, um, according That's to Peyton McLeod. Yes, no, they are not. It's not a good team. Um, and I don't know what NBA stat says. I'm looking at cleaning the glass, which filters out garbage time. So maybe if it includes garbage time, maybe the number is a little bit different. But being that low um, is not good. Uh, and I think that's emblematic of, you know, not having guys who can really create that reliably on their own and also having a team that doesn't consistently um, – you know, work hard enough in the half court to get good looks at the rim. Um, and I, I don't mean that as some kind of indictment. I, 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 like hard work is such like a, that's like a buzz phrase, but um, I, I don't mean it like that. I just mean like this hasn't been a team that's been really patient in the half court. Yeah. Uh, just, just, just uh, for your reference here, uh, the Orlando magic are 30, 29, 28, 27, 26, 25, 24, 23, 22nd in the league. With 31.4 field goal attempts from less than 10 feet, so not the rim, uh, but yeah, but yeah, but within 10 feet, they are they're in the bottom 10. Uh, other teams in the bottom 10 include Golden State, Oklahoma City, Houston, uh, Chica- Chicago, and, and Cleveland. And yeah, um, so they're also they're take in the that top. For what you want. Yeah, they're in the top five in in shots between four feet and 14 feet. Um, okay. so, so that, they get the short mid rangers, like yeah. floaters, that sort of thing. This, this will um, capture that. So that's according to yeah. NBA.com slash stats and it does not include uh, Monday's game. So, uh, mm-hmm. take that for what you will. Um, the NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's let's turn now in, in our last moments here because we've gone a little bit over because we've had a lot to discuss. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the Magic are in the middle of this just grueling stretch. This is all, just past the midway point of this grueling stretch of games. They're getting ready to go out on a four-game trip. They go to Minnesota, to Boston, to Philadelphia, to Indiana. They come home to play Oklahoma City and then home to play Golden State. The Magic just need December 2nd to get here, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, It's not getting any easier for the rest of this month, really. I mean, they do get to play the Pacers again um, next week. And as good as Philadelphia's played, I think, I think Philadelphia is very much like the Magic. They're kind of a hit or miss team. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I, I think that that I mean, some nights you catch Philadelphia and Joel Embiid is just a flamethrower, and there's nothing you can do. 
And some nights will catch Philadelphia and they look like the young team that they are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, Joel Embiid versus, versus Vooch is going to be... I, it didn't I go know. well last year when the Magic played him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I really like the Sixers team. But yeah, like you said, they're a young team and they've just they've really thrown up some duds uh, this season as any young team will. So you, you might not really know what you're getting there. I think the Pacers. Yeah, like I was saying, the Pacers game should be it should be interesting. But yeah, um, it's not really until after that Warriors game that you start seeing games where you would actually favor the magic in like you know you have and the not Knicks. just and not just my bookie favoring them because the magic were favored by four points tonight over the pacers oh wow i didn't know that um but no yeah uh, i would favor them over the Knicks for sure the hornets have been up and down they're a good team but um i they should at least make that a game the hawks you should favor them over the hawks they'll get to see the nuggets again so yeah it'll definitely um It'll definitely uh, calm down a little bit, but no, these this next um, nine or what what is that uh, twelve days I guess um, are not going to be uh, it's not getting any easier. Yeah, and, and so I mean, obviously we kind of knew entering this stretch of the season. Frank Vogel prefaced it before the Magic went out west. This is probably the most difficult stretch in the Magic schedule. They're not only playing a lot of road games; they're playing a lot of games in a short amount of time. They don't have a lot of days off, uh, and they, you know, and, and so that's a lot less time to practice. That's, you know, you know, less time to stew on some of these losses, but, you know, less time to make the adjustments that you need to kind of get the team back on track. Uh, what, what are the expectations for this team? Is it just literally survival mode for the next two weeks to, to kind of get through this and, and, and get some breathing room? Or, you know, do the Magic have to come away from the next six games with, a three, three and three record would two, would two and four be encouraging? What happens if they go one and five? I think, I think two and four would be encouraging. Um, one and five, it depends on if they were in the games or not. You know, um, how the games look. We can't have any more forty point jazz losses. Uh, Even to Golden State. Like Even to Golden State, you can't have that. No, absolutely not. And I, I think I think you said this recently. Uh, a loss like that says more about the losing team than the winning team. Um, but yeah, no, yeah, I think, yeah, most of these games, I would not favor the magic. Um, so I don't expect them to come away with a winning record, probably not even a 500 record, but you just, you want to see them be in these games, um, and come out of it against these, I, I, I guess, easier matchups looking like themselves. Um, what you really don't want to see is, you know, I, like I'll live if they go one and five, but then they have a good game against the Knicks, good game against the Hornets. If they just don't have a hangover after it, but if they come o- come out of uh, uh, come out of November or th- this next uh, phase of games ending at the Warriors, um, and just looking like a shell of themselves, um, which is something I could see happening, I think that could say a lot about this team, and that would definitely be cause for concern. So I'm mostly looking at. Um, how they look once they come out of this stretch. And and we've had a lot of discussion, or I've, I've at least referenced a lot, the 2016 season. You don't want another 2016 season where you're winning two of 14 games. I mean, obviously, I think the, the, the Heart and Hustle team did that and recovered, so you can recover. Um, but you, you don't want to dig yourself too deep of a hole. Uh, as things stand right now, the Magic are 8-9. and nine. They're a game and a half out of the final spot in the Eastern Conference playoffs. It's still a long way to go. It's too early to look at the standings. But I think what's important, um, and this may be relying too much on what other teams are doing, but I think what's important for the Magic in this stretch is at least to stay in contact. You may not be in the pole position. You know you'll have work to do. But don't lose sight of those of the pack. Don't try to fall so far out of the pack that... You can't catch up anymore. I mean, I think that's really it. To me, it wasn't going two and twelve in January in 2016 that hurt, that killed the Magic that year. It was once that losing streak ended, they were unable to kind of build the momentum back up, and that's what you worry about. Is just you lose all the momentum, you lose all the ability to kind of get yourself back on track. Again, like like you said, like you said earlier. The Miami Heat were one of the worst teams in the league for the first half of the season, and they turned it around and made a push for the playoffs. 
you don't want to have to do that, but you've got to be able to kind of go on a run like that to get yourself back into contention. And obviously, you know, doing that in January, you know, the Magic having having done that in January 2016, uh, falling, you know, going from being at the midpoint of the season in the playoff race to out of the playoff race, um, that 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 can't happen. Like that that's that's what you got. You, you don't want that to happen because then you've set the expectation that you can play this way through the majority of the season. Orlando has shown that they can play at a very high level, and they just got to find a way to get back to that. Um, it may not happen in the next two weeks. It may happen once or twice in the next two weeks, and they they play kind of like they are now, you know, a few times in the next few weeks. But they just got to stay in contact, uh, especially during this stretch. And then December 2nd, you know, before they head out to New York for that game on December 3rd, then we can evaluate, okay, this is what the Magic have to do. They just got to find a way to right the ship and, and get steady. Right now, they just kind of got to, you know, they got to find a way to right the ship and get steady now. But they got to just kind of, you know, hold tight and do what they can, find a way to get their rhythm back. And when they get their rhythm back, I think they've shown they can beat just about anybody. Yep, I completely agree. I, you know, if they come out of this, these next two weeks, you know, one and five or something like that, I don't think that's the end of the world. I think if they um, come out of that stretch one and five and then have a dud against the Knicks, don't look good against the Hornets look ugly against the Hawks. I think that is, that's the real cause for concern. If they, if they I mean, I, I, I think if they, if they end up, let's, I mean, let's say they end up one in five, they, they, they pop out December 2nd at, you know, not at nine in, what would they be? Nine and 14. And they get blown out in three of the five games. That's a cause for concern. How you lose oh, yeah, matters yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, like absolutely. A lot, a lot of people said this this loss Monday was a bad loss because the Magic needed it, knowing the schedule they got coming up. But at the same time, you know, you, I mean, you, I thought, I thought you put it perfectly when we were talking before the show that Monday was a normal loss. That is just a loss you take in, during the normal course of the season. You played well enough to, you, in some ways, you played well enough to win, but your mistakes cost you at the end, and you can live with that. The context of that loss was what was different. The fact that the Magic had lost, have now lost five games in a row, have now lost seven of nine, have now kind of fallen off their perch, knowing what they have coming forward. But, you know, let's say let, let's say the Magic hadn't lost four in a row. I mean, obviously you can't say that, but, you know, let's say the Magic, you know, had beaten the Jazz and, and split those home games. The whole narrative, I mean, and obviously you can't go back, go back on that, but the whole narrative would be different. It'd be like, oh, you know, the Magic... You know, made some mistakes, but, you know, it, it felt like an okay game. I mean, you're not looking for moral victories. The Magic still lost the game. And mm-hmm. it was not a, ga- not a game the Magic could really afford to lose. But it's not like the season's over because they lost the game. They still did some good things. There is something to build on. And now the question is, can you correct the errors that you made in the previous game and build upon them in the next game? Are you going to learn your lesson as... My favorite, my favorite cliche is momentum is the next day's pitcher. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. It's what you do next time. And, and so the Magic laid an egg against Utah. And the focus, I think, Monday was playing with energy and, and playing hard. And the Magic did that. And I think the Magic played some great defense. They have something to build on with, the, with their defensive effort that, in, in that game on Monday. But... They got to clean up their other mistakes. They got to find a way to get the ball moving because I think at the end of the day, this team still gets its energy from its offense and from its shot making. And the defense isn't quite the backstop that they needed to be yet. It isn't quite generating the offense the way they needed to generate it, even though it's probably how they should be playing. And so they've got to find a way to get the ball moving and play the way that made them successful earlier in the year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's like it's it's all about. Um, well, you know, you don't you don't want to just say this loss was fine because there were definitely mistakes. No, that definitely were, not. Represent definitely not. larger problems. And if and if this team's a playoff time, team, and if this team's a playoff team, there's no moral victories. It, it still counts. And every and when you're going for the eight seed, which let's face it, the Magic are going to be back end of the play back at you know kind of at the back end of the playoffs if they make it. Every win, every game matters. Every game is important. Yeah, I mean, a game in April is no more important than a game now. These, you can't take these back. And so you got to yeah. get them when you can. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, and with this game, I think you can look at that first half and see um, Frank Vogel had a, that quote post game about um, DJ Augustin and Alfred Payton not being in rhythm yet, which I think was was pretty true. And, and I think maybe if we saw a little bit better play out of them that first half, they they were leading at the end of the first half. But I think maybe that lead would have been even bigger. Maybe would have seen more Elford in the second half. Maybe the game looks a little different. Maybe if they had made a few lucky shots here and there, it's it's a win. Um, it, I, I, I think this is the kind of loss that is something you can build off of, whereas the Jazz loss was a uh, stare into the abyss loss. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's better than that, at least. Yeah, and I think that's that's the best place to leave it um, because we've gone way over the time that I wanted for this episode. Ricky, it was great to talk to you again. Um, you've, you've been doing some great work on Orlando Magic Daily, um, You know, doing some great stuff. I'm looking forward to your next post, uh, looking at some some pet plays that the Magic have been running. Um, hopefully I didn't just put words in your mouth and, and force you to change what you've wrote. Uh, <laughs> but 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 you've done, done a great job breaking down the Magic so far this year. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter so that they can they can follow you and... and, and uh, sharing your knowledge yeah well i really appreciate that my uh twitter handle is at skirka one s-c-r-i-c-c-a-1 and like phil said i'm going to be working on just breaking down some of the some of the sets some of the plays they've been running that have been generating good looks and that i would like to see more of so (laughs) hopefully that'll be out and ready pretty soon and yeah yeah, and and I think you're. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. And we talked. We touched on it. There, there, there have been some very good offensive plays that the Magic have run um, this this season so far. But that's going to do it for us here on Locked On Magic. Again, you can find the Locked On Magic podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Tutor. Tune in and all the fun places that you download podcasts to your podcast sample listening device. Be sure to subscribe and give us a favorable rating so others can find us and enjoy the magic fun with conversations just like this one. Hopefully I'll be able to get Ricky back on. Hopefully I'll be able to get plenty of other people back, plenty more people on the show as well as 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 a cause for it. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. That's philiprr underscore omd. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic as well as like us on Facebook at Locked On Magic. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, including Ricky's article on uh, on the on the Magic and uh, their their struggle their and some of their struggles offensively, trying to do a little bit too much. Please check out orlandomagicdaily.com as well as follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. That's going to do it for us here on Locked on Magic. For Ricky Skricka, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich of Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic. We'll see you all again next time on another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.